What's up, everybody? Welcome to the first ever episode of the Beer Barrel Podcast. I'm your host, Normal Valfan, alongside my co-host, Kentucky Calvary. Man, I'm really excited to do this. It's going to be a real fun time. Two big rivals in the college football space. I don't know. I This could be a lot of fun, man. Absolutely. I'm real excited. Um, you know, when you kind of pitched the idea to me, I was definitely down to do it because, you know, I feel like we both – both fan bases spend a good bit of time on like social media beefing with each other and stuff. So it's a really interesting dynamic to kind of start a pod where there's a fan of both teams and, you know, we're going to have our debates. We're going to have our logical discussions, but I think it's a really cool dynamic. Oh yeah. Well, Hey, let's get right into it. I got a couple topics. I definitely want to talk about. I'm sure you do too. Um, Let's start. Let's talk about your expectations with Devin Leary this year. I have, I have a lot of things to say about him. Um, you know, we don't know which one we're going to get. So I kind of want to get your point of view on what Devin Leary looks like. Well, with Leary, it's, you know, obviously it's a tale of two seasons with him. You know, last season uh, he, he was OK when he was healthy. He only played half the season and they tore, um, you know, I believe it was his peck and uh, missed the rest of the year. But the year prior to that, in 2021 with NC State, you know, he threw for 3,500 yards, 35 touchdowns, only five interceptions, 68% completion rating. I mean, those are – if NC State was like a top-10 team or something, he's probably in New York as a Heisman finalist. So, um, you know, that's – that's uh, I think Devin Leary will certainly be a good quarterback for us regardless. Um, but it's – you know, the big question is can he – recover from that peck injury properly. But with Liam Cohen as our offensive coordinator, I mean, what what Cohen was able to do with Will Levis in 2021 was, um, you know, pretty impressive. And I think with Leary being much more experienced and kind of been around the block a little bit and he's a lot more accurate, he's a lot more cerebral, I think, as a QB. So with Liam Cohen as our offensive coordinator, as long as Leary stays healthy, I don't see why he isn't an upgrade at the quarterback position. Man, I agree. I think, you know, Devin Leary definitely has an opportunity to do something at Kentucky. Um, you know, is he a runner? Because I, I feel like he, he, the way he looks like, he looks like he's a runner. But No, he's – I mean, he's strictly pocket uh, as far from what I've seen. he's There are times where he's been able to get out of the pocket and run a little bit, but that's that's not really his game. You know, Levis – when Will Levis was at Penn State, he was only used as a runner. So when he came here, you know, that was already a weapon that he had. Um Whereas Leary has always kind of been a pocket presence. Um, but I, I think he's definitely a guy who occasionally is going to be able to get out of the pocket and, you know, make some runs or some thro- throws on the run and things of that nature. I gotcha. I gotcha. Now, you know, now that we're talking about quarterbacks, now I'm, I'm sure everyone that's listening has seen your list and probably has seen mine. Now I want to talk about your quarterback list. Okay. And, um, Tell me why you went in that order and what what you really think about all those quarterbacks. Well, you know, I mean, starting off, you know, with Tennessee's quarterback, Joe Milton, uh, every, the the discourse around Joe Milton has been kind of interesting to observe from like an outside perspective, because Tennessee fans, to me, what I see with Joe Milton in Tennessee, the way they're hyping him up is pretty much exactly the way Kentucky fans were hyping up Will Levis before last season, except I feel like Levis kind of proved it to a certain extent in 2021, whereas um, Milton up to this point has played one good game in his college career, and that was Clemson. And what is he, in year five now in college? 
dude, I don't even know, to be honest. I, I, think, I, I, think I think he might he played, be here five years, six. I think he played two years at Michigan, and then he's been on at Tennessee for two years. So he's entering year five with no real tangible seasons to kind of like be like, hey, I've proved it. You know what I mean? So I still ranked him as a top five quarterback in the SEC. You know, I, I had him at number four. Um, my number one in the SEC right now is KJ Jefferson. I feel like he's the most experienced quarterback in the conference. He's dynamic dual threat. He can throw, he can run. Um, my only concern with him is his supporting cast. I don't think their receivers are very good. So it'll be interesting to see that. Then I got Jaden Daniels from LSU at two. I got Kentucky's Devin Leary at three, Joe Milton at four and Mississippi state's Will Rogers at five. Um, the thing with Will Rogers is can he, what's he going to do without Mike Leach's air raid system? I think he's been a big beneficiary of that. He's not a bad quarterback, but I mean, you got to think like that offense is a lot of dink and dunk, a lot of screens, a lot of slants, curls, short range passes to open up the long range pass. And I just don't know if they're going to be able to do that with Zach Arnett at the helm. So we'll see. Yeah. And he lost Ra Ra Thomas too. I mean, right. He's one of his best wide receivers to throw to. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, most of the, most of your list, I pretty much agree with. I had, uh, uh, KJF one, obviously, and I had Joe Milton at two. Now, the reason I put Joe Milton at two is, you know, the way I look at it is I also look at the team he's got behind him. Joe Milton has, I'm not going to say the best wide receiver room in the SEC because there's a couple teams that definitely have the argument, especially you got Georgia and, you know, even Kentucky. Kentucky has a good wide receiver room. Texas A&M, you know, um, but the team behind him, it's kind of kind of pushed him a little bit above people. I still had Devin Leary up there. I think Devin Leary has kind of the way I look at it is it's his year to show himself. Now, if he could stay healthy like we just talked about, I think Devin Leary could potentially be in the top three, maybe even top two, depending on what you know we see. Like you said, if we have that, you know, NC State year. I don't know. You better watch right. out, dude. You and better the, watch out. I'd say that year at NC State, his supporting cast was significantly worse than what he's going to have at Kentucky this year. Like, he didn't have a Barry on Brown or a Dane Key or a Tavion Robinson to throw the ball to. He didn't have those NFL caliber tight ends that I feel like we have on our roster. So, we'll see. Now, going into this, though, I do want to talk about Jaden Daniels, okay? To me, like, I get, you know, he has that supporting cast. The LSU Tigers are going to be really good this year. But to me, I watched that LSU-Tennessee game last year, and you know as well as I do, Tennessee did not have a good secondary. Right. And to me, I just don't see why Jaden Daniels is way up there in people's expectations because if you can't perform, you know, especially at home against a team like Tennessee secondary, I just, you know, in my mind, obviously I still put him up there, but in my mind I kind of – dropping them down a little bit you know so well i feel like with tennessee's defense last year you know statistically it was rough but it's pretty hard for a defense to be good when they're on the field as much as they are when you guys are scoring so quickly and your defense gets no time to rest um i think that it was kind of overblown that tennessee's defense was bad last year in my opinion um, i mean you saw they had their moments like against lsu and then obviously against kentucky i mean six points we scored six points so yeah um you know you, your defense definitely had their moments i think you had the talent in the secondary i think you had decent players in the secondary i just think you know it's hard to be a great defense and a lockdown defense when you're on the field as much as you are um 
So I don't know. Jaden Daniels, I mean, year one at LSU led them to a, to the SEC championship where, of course, they did eventually lose. But, I mean, like LSU the year before in 2021 was not very good, you know. And then right. in year one, he, he came from the Pac-12. He came from Arizona State, came over here to LSU and, and uh, led them to the SEC championship in year one. So I, I think when you have a guy like Malik Neighbors as your number one target, I mean, that dude is a dog. He led the SEC in receiving yards last year. Um, you know, they got a great O-line. I just think, and with how dynamic he is as a dual threat QB, I, I think Jaden Daniels will have a pretty good year. Yeah. Yeah. I, well said, I, you know, like I said, I, the way I look at it is, is I just saw Tennessee's defense not being that great and, you know, kind of, you know, raises some questions about him. Right. But, you know, same thing. I mean, what do we think about Carson Beck? Carson Beck going to be good this year? Or what are we, what are we thinking? The way I look at Carson Beck is like if Stetson Bennett can be as good as he was in that offense, why can a former five-star top three quarterback in the country not come in and immediately be really good? And I mean, we talk about supporting cast. You got Ra Ra Thomas, you got Dominic Lovett, you got the arguably the best player in the entire country with uh, Brock Bowers, the tight end, who will probably be a top five pick in next year's NFL draft. Um, so I mean, you got that elite O line that they're gonna have, like. Carson Beck, you know, he's unproven and that's why I, I mean, I think I had him at like seven or eight on my QB rankings, but there's a, there's a world where he's the best quarterback in the SEC next year. You know, if, if all goes well for him, because I mean, like I said, if Stetson Bennett, an undersized former walk-on can be a Heisman contender in that offense, I don't see why Beck can't as well. Oh yeah. And especially they got the defense, they got the whole supporting cast. I, you know, it's hard not to say that, Georgia is a guaranteed 12 and 0 team next year. Yeah. The only challenge on their schedule to me is at is Tennessee and that's only because we're home. Right. That's the only challenge they have. Yeah. I mean, you guys have one of the best home environments in the country, especially, you know, I mean, it always was, but now that you guys are kind of, you know, on the up and up again, you, you know, you can just tell y'all's fan base is just ravenous right now. And um I'm, that game is going to be loud. I mean, you you beat Bama there last year. Um, you know, you destroyed us like that's a tough environment to walk into and, and win. So, um, you know, obviously, I'm not going to say I think y'all beat them, but I think that will probably be their toughest game of the season for sure. Oh, yeah. You know, I I did my schedule predictions uh, on Twitter, and that was one game where I was having a rough time deciding what the score would be because, I mean, they held us down last year but they also lost a lot of pieces on their defense and not saying they don't have those five stars to come back and just replace them but you know you never know i mean when a kid doesn't play as much as he you know like nolan smith and jalen carter i mean yeah. those guys were dogs bro in right. literal literal sense of dogs. <laughs> yeah you know so um yeah but yeah so do you have any questions for me i mean I, i'm assuming you got you got some heat you got some heat on Twitter, man. I mean, oh man, I've been uh, I've been definitely beefing on Twitter the last few days for sure. Um, yeah, we'll we'll definitely get into this a little bit because I find Tennessee fans' behavior sometimes to be so odd and strange for a team and a program that owns us. Like, there's no debating that you guys do own us in football. That's not a question. Um, you guys do spend a good bit of time talking about Kentucky and like, I mean, it'll be sometimes, sometimes it's provoked, but a lot of times completely unprovoked, just like, you know, we'll post a clip on, 
like this week it was about the practice clips, you know, like there was a a Dane key had a one handed catch and the throw wasn't great. You know, it was a back shoulder fade to the sideline. It was a little bit wobbly and stuff. And I mean, the mentions were just completely covered in Tennessee fans, like talking about how it was a terrible throw, talking about how he was out of bounds with the catch and stuff. And it's like the highlight was clearly the one handed catch. You know, it's not a real game. Doesn't matter. He was out of bounds. Um, (laughs) You know, so (laughs) It's just it's behavior like that that just boggles my mind, and I typically try to say something about it, and then it's just we own you, and I'm like, well, I know that, okay, like it, I get it, but I mean, I don't spend my time, uh, you know, every time a Tennessee post happens, I don't go in the comments, and so I started trolling a little bit too. Like there was a Joe Milton clip of, um, you know, he threw a touchdown pass in the end zone. And uh, it was a little bit underthrown, like the receiver had to turn around and catch it. So I just like commented underthrown. And <laughs> then it was like, well, it was in the end zone. But like, it's just, I don't know. It's just funny. It's, it's, I get re- like, I actually do get mad, like interacting with Tennessee fans sometimes because it's just so infuriating. I'm like, what is wrong with y'all? <laughs> oh, yeah, dude. We could definitely be a uh, rough bunch to deal with. But I mean, you all, every fan base has those couple fans that, uh, you know, and don't get me wrong, I don't really until now I don't show my face on my Twitter. Yeah. But like, you know, you have those, you know, accounts that have the burners and all that that'll just they'll talk their stuff. Right. You know, but the but I mean even the clip you're talking about, the way I looked at it was it was a good catch, but I get where they're coming from where he's out of bounds and all that stuff. But I mean it's just the swarming the post and stuff and just like spamming it and being like trying to like make fun of it and stuff. It's like, man, we're minding our business over here. We you know, it was a cool catch. That's really all there was to it. And then it just became a big thing for no reason. And that seems to happen a lot, you know, with Vol Twitter. It's just like the smallest things turn into like the biggest talking points. Well, you also got to think though, the time, the time of the tweet, you know, being so close to football season, you know, people are just hungry for those, you know, Twitter posts and they, they want to be involved in Iraq. So I'm, I'm the way I look at it is, and not saying it wouldn't happen even if it was, you know, two months ago, but the way I look at it, you know, it's, we're so close to football season. Yeah. And, you know, people are just trying to get those, you know, sparks going for when the game comes around. Because, you know, I don't even care what Tennessee's record is when we come to, you know, Kroger Field. Mm -hmm. But, you know, that place is going to be jumping. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's all right. I'm pretty sure it's already sold out. I think the game's already sold out. So, oh, yeah, they're going. And the tickets are pretty hefty, too. Like, if yeah. you want to, if you want to get that resale value, you better get in now or you're going to, especially who knows what the <laughs> records are when that game comes around. Well, and people, a lot of people kind of make fun of, you know, the Kroger Field and all that. I like, I get it. You know, we're named after a grocery store. I get it. But <laughs> the Kroger Field's environment over the last few years has been, up there you know what i mean like people kind of don't look at kentucky and and kroger field as like a tough place to play and stuff but i mean some of the environments over the last couple of years like um you know florida uh, a couple years ago when we had that blocked kick and we returned for a touchdown i've never heard a stadium i've never heard a kentucky stadium get that loud it was ridiculous it was so like deafeningly loud and um you know those environments are starting to get really rowdy like the passion for football in lexington is is rising with every single year and i think those games like i mean bama's coming to town and you guys are coming to town and you know we got some big home games this year where i feel like i mean that crowd is going to be i don't i think people are going to be surprised with how electric kroger field's going to be at times this year 
Oh yeah, and you know, correct me if I'm wrong. You guys have what sixty one thousand? Yeah, yeah, and I mean, believe, dude, sixty one thousand like to to me is not a lot, and it's crazy how a stadium like that can get that rowdy, right? You know, because what you got Neyland that's a, over a hundred thousand. You got what uh, Texas A and M they got over a hundred thousand, don't they? Yeah, you know, but you don't need that many people to show that home you know they get loud man for sure oh, yeah oh yeah but um now you know i did want to ask you what are we thinking is the most important transfer for kentucky this year other than devin leary because obviously he's a big the most important for you guys um but other than him like who who's that guy who's gonna be that guy for the kentucky wildcats so the, there, I have two answers here because um, one of them is kind of a boring answer, and one of them is you know more a little bit more exciting. Uh, the first one, the the quote unquote boring one, is uh, Marcus Cox, the left tackle from Northern Illinois. He was the highest graded offensive lineman in the MAC last year um, by PFF. He's a great pass protector, great run protect, or great run blocker. Um, he's huge, he's experienced, and obviously offensive line was our biggest weakness last year, which typically that's not a problem for Kentucky, but we added five transfers to that O-line this year, and uh, I think Marcus Cox was the best of that bunch, um, and he's going to bolster up that left side really, really well. So I'd say he's probably going to be the most impactful just in terms of protecting Devin Leary, which is obviously you know of the utmost importance. And then I'd say the more exciting one would be Ray Davis, the running back from Vandy. Um, I think only eight players in Vanderbilt history have run for over a thousand yards in a season. And he did that last year. Um, and, you know, obviously we're losing Chris Rodriguez, who is, you know, I think second all time leading rusher at Kentucky, uh, second or third. And um, he has the record for the most, you know, hundred yard games at UK, you know, so replacing him is, is going to be a big deal, but Ray Davis kind of fills that typical, Mark Stoops running back role of very physical, but he's a little bit more agile than like a Benny Snell or a, or a Chris Rodriguez. He's pretty quick too. So, I mean, he tore us up when we played Vandy last year. Um, and so now he's in that backfield and I think he'll probably be, you know, our most impactful playmaker from the transfer portal. Um, so I'd, I'd say that's probably the two guys I would say are the most impactful, but what about y'all? Like who, who's Tennessee's most impactful transfer? I have the same kind of answer. I mean, we have the boring one. And we have the really exciting one. So I'll start with the boring one. 6'5", 320-pound, left tackle, John Campbell. I think we have a problem with our tackles right now, especially after Darnell Wright leaving. Um, we don't even know who's playing right tackle, but we're pretty almost 100% sure that John Campbell will be playing left tackle this year. We got the same thing. We got to protect Joe Milton. Um, now, Joe Milton couldn't get up and run, but, you know, it's – do we want him to? Not really. Because right. if, if Joe Milton gets hurt, I think our season is kaput. So um not saying Nico can't come in and surprise everybody, but I mean he's a freshman. I mean right. But going to the exciting part of our transfers, and I know we we talked about it before we even hopped on here, but Dante Thornton Jr. is scary good. And honestly, I'm surprised a lot of people aren't even talking about him. Because, yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong, our wide receiver room is really, really good this year. Um, and I get Squirrel White is, a slot, you know, our slot guy. But the fact that you could put a 6'5", 215-pound, you know, speed demon yeah. at slot, I mean, 
a linebacker is going to have really hard time covering that. Yeah. You know, so Dante Thornton, like I said, is the exciting answer. I think Dante Thornton has the potential, and I'm not saying he's going to win the Blitnikoff, but I'm saying he has the potential of like a Jalen Hyatt type year where he comes out of nowhere and no one's really talking about him. But, you know, like I said, I think that's the guy. I think, yeah, I think he's going to have a really, really good year coming from Oregon. Yeah. I'm, I'd say so too. I mean, I've seen. I've seen some videos of him. I've seen some pictures of him. I mean, he's he's a dog, and he's huge, and he's also quick. I think y'all's receiver room, man, it's crazy. I mean, you got the the size with Brew McCoy and Dante Thornton. You got the speed with Keaton and uh, Squirrel White. Like, I was kind of concerned about y'all's receiver room after you lost, you know, two productive guys in Hyatt and Tillman. But and honestly, your room might be better as a whole this year than it was last year, which is a scary thought. Oh yeah, I think I honestly believe that we are better than last year because last year i mean cedric tillman got hurt so we didn't really have him all year jalen hyatt was obviously jalen hyatt and i mean i'm sure you've seen the clips from the new york giants training camp he is destroying people yeah in nfl training camp so i you know but and i mean bro mccoy was bro mccoy bro mccoy had like 600 almost 700 yards um last year so i think he's gonna have pretty much to me i think he'll have a similar year I think he's not going to, you know, bust through that mark, but he will be the Brew McCoy everyone knows. But other than Dante Thornton, my second receiver that I think is going to be really good this year is uh, Ramel Keaton. And I've heard a lot of, you know, praise from fall camp saying that he's the guy this year. Right. And I'm to me, that's kind of shocking because I wouldn't have put him like in the top two wide receivers this year. To me, it was Brew McCoy and Dante Thornton, but it might be Ramel Keaton and Dante Thornton to me. Right. So, but, you know, who knows? Uh, I mean, you you and I both know, I mean, college football is the most surprising thing every year because who would have thought Tennessee was going to be 11 and two last year? Yeah. Yeah, I certainly I certainly didn't see that coming. Um, I mean, you guys, you know, the explosive offense was definitely there in 2021, but I didn't expect you all to kind of put it together and like beating Bama, you know, was big, obviously. And, um, you know, I, 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 st- I like, I literally have PTSD from when we walked in there. What was it, Halloween? And you guys were wearing the, the blackout jerseys, which are, I hate to admit, super sick. And oh, yeah. the environment's just going crazy. And, I, bro, the minute I saw your team run out of the tunnel and the lights are going and the crowd's going crazy and it's y'all were Rocky shoes, Top. Yeah, I, I, I had it. I was like, yeah, this is not going to be fun today. Like, <laughs> so um, I thought the game was going to be a lot closer, though. To be honest, I really did. I Like I said, you know, no one would have expected that performance from the Tennessee defense, but they came to play that day. Well, there's a specific moment where that game ended, and that was when Levis threw that pass to Dane Key. He got lit up, and then y'all intercepted it. Song, game was yeah. over. Game was over right there. And now, uh, yeah. I mean, Correct me uh, if I'm wrong. I'm pretty sure uh, Walker, uh, didn't he get – I think he got cut from the team, the one that actually picked that pass off. From He got cut from Tennessee? Yeah, I'm pretty sure it might have been like disciplinary, you know, type mm. cut from the team. I can't – I'll have to look that up for, you know, the next podcast, but I'm pretty sure that that was a thing. But Danico Slaughter smoked – uh, you said it was Dan Key, right? Dan Key, yeah. Yeah, and 
I'm pretty sure the guy that actually picked it off and ran it back for a little bit, I'm pretty sure he got taken off the team for something. Dang. But, yeah. I, I, just expounding on that game last year just a little bit more. Um, I understand, you know, the whole like – kind of just like haha we destroyed y'all like you know y'all like spamming 44 to 6 on everything <laughs> um but the the circumstances surrounding that like not to make too many excuses but like levis was coming off a dislocated left shoulder and he had this i mean he had turf toe that required surgery you know what i mean like he could not move to save his life our o-line i think we gave up nine sacks that day they were complete swiss cheese and um <laughs> We, we ended up firing Rich Scangarello, our offensive coordinator, because he was just horrific. So I it's really depressing to think about that game because it really could have been such a better game than it was if there weren't a couple circumstances. Like if Liam Cohen, who was our OC in 2021, if he hadn't left to go to the L.A. Rams last year, like, I mean, we were two plays away from nine wins last season. Like the Ole Miss yeah. game got wiped off. We threw a game-winning touchdown, got wiped off because of a illegal formation should have won that game on the road against a top 15 team. And then, you know, shouldn't have lost to Vandy, obviously. Um, there, I mean, there was multiple moments last year that if one or two things just goes differently, we're, we're looking at another nine, you know, nine and three regular season. Um, you know, if, if, if we'd have kept Cohen and if Levis had stayed healthy and our O-line wasn't horrific, you know. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. So, I don't know. It just, it's just depressing to think about last year because, I mean – like I said, two or three plays away from being nine and three. Yeah. And before we talk about your wide receiver room, because I, I, you know, I believe that Kentucky's up there with one of the best, you know, wide receiver rooms in the SEC. Um, but my favorite play, my favorite moment during that game was when uh, Will Levis, I believe it was his third interception where he threw the pick and it got, you know, I think it was a, did you guys challenge it or something to where uh, he will Levis in, in his mind thought that he was getting back on that field and he was going down the field, but it, he literally ran onto the field and came back to the yeah. sideline after they were like, Nope, it's, you know, it's all good. Yeah. I remember, I remember sitting there thinking like, what is he seeing right now? Cause we were watching the replay and I'm like, that was a pick. Like, and, well, yeah. and a lot of times, you know, well, you know, he probably seen something that we weren't on TV. Yeah. So that's what I thought. I was like, oh, he sees something that, you know, mm-hmm. that we're not seeing. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't I don't know what that was, man. It, I guess just desperation of please don't let that be my third pick of the game. You know, <laughs> yeah, that's exactly. Probably all it really was. Now, let's talk about that Kentucky Roger Schaefer room, though. I mean, you guys do look pretty dangerous. I know Dan Key and I know Tavion Robinson, but you said another name that maybe I'm not really familiar with. Barry on Brown. Yeah. I don't know why that name like just wiped off my memory, but <laughs> yeah, Barry on Barry on Brown's our number one guy, in my opinion. He had the fastest recorded running speed in the SEC last year. Um, which I mean, Jalen Hyatt is considered, you know, one of the faster players out there, but Barry on Brown on he he took his his first game. He was a true freshman last year. He was a borderline five star recruit, true freshman last year. His first game, he returned to kickoff for a touchdown against Miami of Ohio, and that was where he recorded the fastest running speed in the SEC last year. And he had, as a true freshman, had almost 800 receiving yards. Uh, I think he had seven touchdowns. And that was with, you know, that terrible O-line. That was with Levis struggling all year. That was with a horrible offensive coordinator. So 
in my mind, this year he could be on pace for you know an All American type season just with his speed. He, he he makes people miss. He gets open. Um, he honestly reminds me a lot of Jalen Hyatt, except maybe a little shiftier. Um, he gets comparisons to I don't know if you remember Jamison Williams from Alabama a couple years ago. Oh yeah. Um, so Barryon Brown is easily like a lot of Kentucky fans are like, no, Dane Key is our number one guy. And Dane Key is our best like lob threat. You know, he's super athletic. He's got long arms, big hands, um, great route runner. But Dane Key is just so dynamic. I think he'll be our number one. And then just speaking of the room as a whole, Dane Key is the number two. Tavion Robinson, fifth year senior in the slot. He didn't get used properly last year, but the last good slot receiver we had was Wandale Robinson in 2021 and Liam Cohen had him break all kinds of records, school records and stuff. So um, outside of our top three, the receiver room uh, is, is kind of inexperienced. Like our next guy will probably be a true freshman, Anthony Brown, four star, uh, super shifty gets compared to Wandale Robinson. Um, Dekel Crowdis is a former four star receiver. Who's kind of been waiting to break out the last couple of years. Shamar Porter is from the state of Tennessee, like Barry on Brown former four-star he's a true freshman so outside of our top three you know we we definitely got some unproven names behind them behind them but i think that's the most talented receiver room top to bottom i've ever seen at uk yeah uh and i agree i think you know and tennessee fans might not like what i'm saying but i mean if everything goes right for kentucky you know devin leary doesn't get hurt you know nothing crazy on the offensive line happens you guys, I mean, you guys have a. To me, I I had you guys third in the East because obviously I'm being a little biased. I think Tennessee should be second and maybe first. I, I mean, we just have to win one game. To be honest, if if everything goes right, Tennessee has to win one game and they win the East. But like I said, college football is a you know bag of surprises every year. You never know what's right. going to happen. Yeah, so, I I just think it's crazy that. I mean, maybe it's not crazy because they beat us last year, but anyone who like genuinely thinks South Carolina is a better team top to bottom than Kentucky is fooling themselves. Um, like they just, it's it's not even comparable in my opinion. We've got more dynamic weapons on offense. I think Devin Leary is better than Spencer Rattler. I think our defense is better than theirs. And they beat us by 10 points last year when Will Levis sat out that game. We started a freshman quarterback, Kaya Sharon, who had never played before, and he outplayed Spencer Rattler. He had more receiving or he had more passing yards and more touchdowns than Spencer Rattler in his first game ever. Um, I don't think South Carolina is all that. I think, you know, me and you were talking about that earlier. I think they are getting way too much preseason hype. I think their fans are way too confident. Um, you know, I will say I loved watching them drop 60 on y'all. That was kind of fun. I know that one fun for I one fun for y'all, but I had a good time. <laughs> um, but I think I mean I won't say that was a fluke game, but they're gonna have to prove that they can consistently be like that because their offense was terrible prior to that game. Like they were one of the worst offenses in the SEC last year before the last two games. So I don't believe the South Carolina hype for a second. Yeah, and Going to going to that point, I mean Spencer Rattler was terrible all year. Yep. And then the last two, yeah, the last two games, and everyone's like, "Oh, Spencer Rattler is top three in the SEC." No, he is not. No. Not he has a lot more to prove. I'm not saying he doesn't have the talent. I'm not saying that, but I mean, I just I just don't see him being even a top five in the SEC this year. Um, That's why I think I had him. At seven or that's eight. where I had him seven. So it, I mean, 
You never know what's going to happen. Like I said, I, I'll keep saying it. College football, who knows who's yeah. going to be that team this year. Right. It's hard to prove. Maybe Mississippi State is like a top 10 team or something, you know? Hey, speaking of that, though, a lot of people do think they're going to be really good this year just because of how how many veterans they got and how many people. But I don't believe in that hype. I think it's all about talent and it doesn't matter how much you play. I think yeah. it's. Well, and they lost, you know, their number one receiver. Um, their their number one receiver this year is a guy who was fourth on the team in receiving yards last year. Like, their receiving game is kind of iffy. They got a first-year head coach. We don't know how the – I mean, are, is he going to maintain the exact same offense that Leach ran, or is he going to try to implement his own? If he does try to implement his own system, the whole team has to adjust to that. Um, so, you know, they won nine games last year, but, I mean, we beat them. Like, we beat them relatively convincingly, too. Um, I just don't, I don't, I don't believe in them either, to be honest, but, uh, who knows? Maybe we're wrong. Maybe, maybe, like I said, maybe yeah. they end up being that surprise team, you know, kind of like what Tennessee was last year, uh, exactly. very highly doubtful, but exactly. Uh, you know, I, yeah, exactly. All right. Let's go on to the next topic. We got, uh, we talked about wide receivers. We talked about the quarterbacks. Let's talk about the running backs. I, I, again, I mean, like you said earlier, Ray Davis, I mean, he's going to be something. Well, you guys got anything else in that running back room that anyone should be aware of? Well, um, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself. I think there's a world where halfway through this season or towards the end of the season, we're saying that this is the deepest running back room we've had at Kentucky. Um, which is a lot, saying a lot because we have had some great running back rooms over the last few years. I don't think that's really debatable at all. Um, but Ray Davis, obviously, being the number one guy. Um, Ramon Jefferson is probably the number two guy in that room, and he was he basically won the FCS equivalent of the Heisman at Sam Houston State. He was the best player in all of FCS football two years ago. And then on the first play of the season last year, he tore his ACL. So uh, he's back. Um, for his, I believe he's a sixth-year senior now. Um, very explosive, dynamic running back. And then a guy we've had on the roster for a few years, former four-star Jaton McClain. He is our best receiving threat out of the backfield. He was, you know, he led the running backs in receiving yards last year at UK, and he's a really tough runner. Um, and then Lavelle Wright has been around for a couple years. He's a solid running back who kind of got buried last year, but when he did play, he was decent. And then we got another NC State transfer, Demi Sumo who, uh, you know, was a really solid player in his first two years at NC State before transferring here. So I'd say we have four or five guys who could see the field this year. Um, I think the top three being uh, Davis, McLean, and Jefferson, those three guys will, you know, kind of get most of the focus. But I think our running back room is great. And I know you guys have a really solid duo. I don't really know much outside of Jabari Small and Jalen Wright, but I know you guys have yourselves a really nice running back room over there too. Yeah, so – to me, I mean, we got three really good running backs. I mean, you got Jabari Small. Obviously, he's coming back. But to me, the two that people should be afraid of are Jalen Wright and Dylan Sampson. Jalen Wright, man, that kid is good. Yeah. He's, he's insane. And a lot of people don't realize, especially not Tennessee fans, they don't realize that we run the ball more than we throw the ball. Yeah. And, you know, you get spread so far in that box to where all they got to do, you know, is get that one gap and they're gone. Yeah. And to me, if it were me making the shots and I don't, you know, Josh Heupel is uh, pretty good at his job. So I think he'll know who, you know, who he's putting back there. But if it were me, it'd be Jalen Wright and Dylan Sampson. 
as the one and two and Jabari Small, just because he's coming back from being a little bit hurt last year. Um, don't get me wrong, Jabari Small is really good. But I think between the other two, I think Jabari Small might be a more of a red zone type back mm-hmm. this year. And um, But, yeah, man, Tennessee is going to have another top ten offense this year. It's going to be – Oh, I don't doubt it. It's it's scary good this year. As long as Joe Milton can do Joe Milton from the Orange Bowl. I, I think that's y'all's biggest question mark is can Joe Milton live up to the hype? Can Joe Milton be, you know, we all everyone on the planet knows he has an extremely strong arm, but that's not like that's not the concern with him. We all know he's got the arm strength. Can he be right. accurate in the short to intermediate passing game? You know, can he have the pocket presence to get out when he needs to and make the right throws and throw the ball away? Um, you know. He threw more interceptions than touchdowns at Michigan and transferred to Tennessee and then got benched for Hooker and then, you know, was sat behind Hooker for two years. And now it's finally like, all right, now it's your time. And my question is, can he handle that? Um, he's getting hyped up a lot. You know, is he going to be able to handle that pressure? You mentioned how your your tackles are kind of a question mark. You know, is your O-line going to be able to hold up against those SEC edge rushers and keep him healthy? So for me, it's like as long if if Joe Milton stays healthy and he addresses all his accuracy issues, there's no reason why you guys aren't, you know, another you don't have another year where you're the number one offense in the country. And I this is kind of a random thought, but I I still don't understand with with Heupel's offensive system why he wasn't better at UCF. Like when you guys hired him, I genuinely was like, what is Tennessee doing? Like he was I mean, he took that UCF team that was, you know, really good. They had that undefeated season, yeah. And then he got there, and then they immediately got worse. I think they went like eight and five, and then or eight and four, and then seven and five, and then he took the Tennessee job. And I'm like, what is going on? So it's just I, this is a random thought, but it's just odd to me that he got to Tennessee and just did is doing what he's doing. I, I just I don't see how that worked out that way. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I, dude. And a lot of it. So the way I look at it is, man, is he's the offensive like guru of college football, right. and I get it. I get the whole oh, it's a it's a gimmick. It's it's all this and it's all that. It's like, I don't understand oh, that either. How yeah, is it a gimmick? How what, what's gimmicky about it? If he's getting his receivers open and you're hitting these bombs, then what's gimmicky about it? And then if you pull your safeties back on defense to take away the deep ball, you know, at least Hendon Hooker was able to throw the the short to medium range stuff. You guys were able to throw screens. You were able to run the ball. So it's like, it's I don't what's gimmicky about it. If it scores a bunch of points and you get a lot of yards, I, I don't really. I've never understood when when people say I, like, trust me, I, I love to hate on Tennessee as much as the next guy. But what is gimmicky about that offense? I don't get it. Oh yeah, right. I mean, and that's the thing is, it's just the opposing fan bases that get all you know uptight about it. Yeah. But you know, if it's working, and not only that, is the defense they have no time to sub. They the guys are gassed, and then you have a DB that's trying to cover Squirrel White, and he's gassed. And when Squirrel White just runs twenty four or whatever miles an hour he does, I mean. Right. You're gonna lose them, yeah. And and Josh Eibel takes advantage of that, especially like you said. You move those safeties back, or you know, you you move the linebackers out a little bit. They're just gonna run the ball, right? And they're gonna get that six, seven yards. And, exactly. You know, it's hard to stop. I mean, and that's why you know, <laughs> I I have Tennessee going eleven one this year, and and it's not even like I'm not even trying to be biased. I mean, it, it's possible. It's it, it's definitely way, possible. Yeah, the way I look at it is. It's it's if everything goes right and 
nothing surprises us like injury or, you know, anything like that. And right. if our defense is a little bit better than last year. Yeah. Well, the the thing the funny thing about kind of like looking at Kentucky's potential this year, uh, like in terms of ceiling and floor, it's like this year I could see like there's like a good I think the whole back half of the schedule, every single one of those games could go either way. And so I think that there's a world where Kentucky goes 10 and two, you know, and has the best season we've like ever had, or we drop them and go seven and five. You know, I think we have a seven and five floor and a 10 and two season or a 10 and two ceiling, which is just, there's a lot of room for error there. Um, Cause like, obviously, you know, for us to go 10 and two, our only two losses would have to be Georgia and Tennessee or Georgia and Bama. And we'd have to, you know, beat everyone else. Um, but yeah. like we can beat, Mizzou we can beat South Carolina we can beat Mississippi State we can beat you know Louisville um I think we can beat Tennessee like it would have to be the the right situation but like there's because of what happened last year there's this false narrative in my opinion that the the talent level between the two is not comparable and I mean if we're looking at QB versus QB I think those are comparable situations where I'd think even Leary might have the edge in the preseason just because he's proven it already. And then in terms of receiving rooms, I'd probably give you guys the edge as a room as a whole. But I mean, we're right there in terms of talent. Right. I think our tight ends are significantly better. No offense. I, I'm not <laughs> big on Jacob Warren. Um, and I think, I mean, we've got, in my opinion, four NFL guys in that tight end room. This, I mean, we've been going crazy with the tight end recruiting lately. Um, so it's like that talent level. I think we we have the edge there, and then defensively, you know, who knows? But um, like talent level wise, I think Tennessee and Kentucky are on a similar level. It's just kind of the circumstances of what you know, who's healthy, how the O line performs, how the play yeah. calling is. You guys are going to obviously have some of the best play calling in the country. So when it comes to offense, right? So I mean, it's <laughs> it's. I mean, I think it's closer than. A lot of fans think it's a closer than a lot of people think. You know, I've seen I've seen so many fan opposing fans be like, "What makes you think Kentucky got better?" I'm like, "Bro, we improved. We upgraded on like almost everything." You know, so it's like, I don't know. I think we have one of the better and most underrated coaching staffs in the country. Obviously, Mark Stoops, in my opinion, is a great head coach. If you have to be a great head coach to take Kentucky from being the laughing stock of the SEC to consistently being at least average and sometimes above average like it is so no one's ever been able to really do that at Kentucky and he did it so he has to be a great coach just for that aspect. Now, did, you, did you ever think you guys got to the point where you were on the cusp of being a close to a Vanderbilt team we were worse than Vanderbilt when he got here oh, wow. we, okay. in 2012 when he got here the year before he got here we lost 40 to zero at home on senior day to Vanderbilt we were worse than Vanderbilt we were down in the dumps man i mean so that's why it's like the, stoops doesn't get nearly the national respect he should the guy took the worst program in power five football and i mean we've had two 10 win seasons in the last five years we've had two top 15 finishes in the last five years like we we've beaten florida three times in the last five years like we we've ended so many streaks so many curses like and all that is because of stoops stoops made the university of kentucky care about football and that's something that has never been really done in our history. Um, and then, I mean, Liam Cohen, in my opinion, one of the best young play callers in the country. Brad White, most underrated defensive coordinator in the country. We always have like a top five SEC defense and nobody talks about Brad. Like, I can't believe he hasn't gotten hired at a at a job, like a head coaching job yet because he is such a great defensive coordinator. So I think coaching staff wise, when you're looking at head coach, offensive coordinator, and defensive coordinator, there's maybe 10 
coaching staffs in the country better than that. So I think that Kentucky eventually, hopefully after this year, you know, will will have a great year and maybe start to garner that respect again. Yeah. But I mean that that and I'm I'm gonna transfer into us. Like I think, you know, forget the offense. The offense is gonna be good no matter what. I think we don't ever not saying we don't ever get out of the top ten offense, but I mean it's gonna be really hard for Tennessee not to be in that top ten category right. for offense. But I'm worried about, you know, our defense and what, you know, the expectations are for our defense because I think we were like close. We were close to being like the last, you know, in any almost all defensive categories. I mean, don't get me wrong. Our running, our running game when it came to stopping the run was good. We, you know, you couldn't really. I wouldn't say you couldn't run on us, but you know, we were we were pretty good on that aspect. Um, I think we significantly upgraded with uh, linebackers this year. I think Aaron Beasley is going to have a year. Um, we got a twenty-five-year-old married man as a. Uh, transfer as Keenan Peely. I think he's going to be a leader. Um, I think he's, I think that's the aspect we needed on this defense was a guy that would come in and be that guy that, you know, people look at and be like, yo, calm down guys, you know, type guy that where it's like, yo, we got this, do this, you know, and all that. And another right. one I want to talk about on the linebacker side is the freshman. Have you seen Arian Carter, uh, Arian Carter? Mm-mm. Boy, oh boy. <laughs> This kid is a freshman, true freshman, and he he looks the part of an SEC linebacker. I mean, just seeing pictures of the guy from fall camp, not even really watching, you know, the videos, but dude, right? Kid looks like he's going to be, you know, a stud, and I think he's going to get some playing time this year. And um, and then you got to move to the DBs. I mean, that was our worst part of our defense was giving up all those passing yards, right? You know. We talked about it earlier. The only like we had two good games, and one of them was Kentucky. Mm-hmm. That of course, you know, yeah, of course. <laughs> um, and I, I'm really interested to see. I to me personally, I think Tim Banks is on a hot seat because I think if you have another year like last year where you're just giving up all these points, like, and you have the talent this year, like you do, like you Tennessee's defense can be good. Yeah. I won't say they could be elite, but they could be really good. But it all falls on Tim Banks. I think his, you know, I don't know. That's just me, though. I think my take on Tennessee's defense is that there's really, with y'all's offense and the way it operates and how quickly you get off the field, I don't know if it's possible for you to have, like, anything above an average defense, at least in the passing game. Because, like, those DBs, man – it's hard playing DB other than quarterback is the hardest position in in football. I mean, you you got to keep up with the you're run, basically backpedaling and you have to backpedal as fast as the receivers running forward. That is really hard to do, especially if you're tired. So if you're not getting off the field and you're on the defense is on the field and then they, you know, there's a long sustained drive where they're on defense and then they come off the field and then you guys score in three plays <laughs> and then they got to come back on like you are bound to give up a ton of passing yards just for that reason because those DBs it's already hard to play that position but when you're tired it's dang near impossible and I think that's the only re- like I don't think talent was ever really the question I think it's just like you're gonna you're gonna have to load up on talent to where it's like you can platoon system your DBs to where it's like 
you got one set of DBs in for one drive and then you switch them out with another set of equally good DBs, which is obviously going to be really hard to pull off. So um, that's, in my opinion, why y'all's defense is struggling and why it probably, I won't say always will, you know, it might get a little bit better, but I just don't see a world where you're ever like a lockdown defense in terms of like stopping the pass at a, at a consistent level. But um yeah, I mean, I think I'm a big fan of Tyler Barron on your D line. Uh, I remember there was a recruiting battle between us and y'all for him, and I was so yeah. so sad when he went to Tennessee. <laughs> um, and then I think he entered the portal for a little bit, like a year or two ago. And then we thought he was coming to Kentucky, and then he pulled his name out of the <laughs> yeah, portal. I'm like, oh, he teased us twice. Um, and then I think something underrated is getting. I mean, from what I know, Jeremy Banks was a little bit of a locker room cancer. Um, from what I, you know, I heard some like had some issues and he sat out of the South Carolina game because of kind of some locker room issues. I, I don't really know the facts on that, but maybe getting rid of some guys on the defense who may have kind of messed with chemistry a little bit might be kind of an underrated reason why your defense might improve a little bit. Well, see, when you're talking about the secondary, I do think we have that this year where we have, you know, enough DBs to give some guys that break. I mean, we have the transfer coming in, uh, Gabe Judy Lolly. I think uh, he's going to be getting some playing time. I mean, Kamel Haddon, I think, is going to be hopefully better this year. I remember uh, Haddon was one last year that was getting cooked a good bit. Right, but, uh, yeah, and I, I think from what I've heard is that he's seen what he's got to do better, and I've heard he's been working, you know. Yeah. And, dude, and same thing with McCullough. Like, is McCullough going to be – that guy or and not only that he still has that off the field issue that he has to take from last year McCullough so like, and slaughter are some good dbs those two guys oh, if yeah. they're playing at their at the top of their game you've definitely got some like i think both those guys are nfl players oh yeah dude I, you know who knows and then I, i've been hurt hearing a lot about ricky gibson too apparently ricky gibson is is showing out at fall camp. So we'll see. He might even get some playing time too. I don't know. But um, like I said, I don't make those decisions. Uh, <laughs> I wish I could, but I, I don't. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, let's um, roll into what we think Kentucky's. Uh, I know you did it on Twitter, but I, I want to hear the, the reason why you decided to go with what season prediction you went with. Uh, this year for Kentucky right so I mean after a lot of deliberation I mean this was something I was kind of flip flip flopping on you know there was a point in the offseason where I'm sitting here thinking you know we're probably going eight and four and then there was a point in the offseason where I'm like oh we're going ten and two like this is this is the year and I kind of settled like right in the middle for my final you know preseason schedule prediction um, and I'll just run through it real quick. I mean, I have us beating Ball State 35-13. I have us beating EKU 42-21. I have us beating Akron 28-10. have us beating Vanderbilt 31-17. I have us beating Florida 24-17. So that is starting off the season 5-0. and And then we walk into Athens and lose, obviously. Um, then I got us beating Missouri. And then the big one that got – I had got a ton of, uh, you know, I got a ton of love from Tennessee fans, but I had us beating Tennessee 35-28. And everyone's like, well, you're not – first of all, you're not holding us to 28, and second of all, you're not beating us, blah, 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 blah. And it's like I get it. I get why, you know, you guys have all the reason in the world to be confident that you're going to beat us, you know, every year because that's what you typically do. 
Um, but like I was saying earlier, I feel like the talent level is comparable. And I feel like after what happened last year, like the, there's going to be a bad taste in those guys' mouth. They're going to have a lot to prove. They're going to be like, we can't let them walk into our place and and, and destroy us, you know? So um, I think maybe, obviously to hold you guys to 28 points, we would need to probably turn Milton over a couple times, maybe strip sack him a couple times. But I do think we can beat you guys this year. And I'm, I'm, I just went ahead and predicted that we would. Right. And it's it's just funny because right after that I have us going to Mississippi State and losing because <laughs> Mark Stoops has never won an SEC West road game at Kentucky. Yeah, ever, ever. we've never won an SEC West road game, and Mississippi State is a team we play a lot. We've never beat them on the road, so I just went ahead and said, you know, I feel like after we beat Tennessee, quote unquote, um, what you know, we'll probably be on such a high that we'll walk into that Mississippi State game thinking we've got it, and then you know lose. Then I have us losing to Bama, twenty four thirty two. And then I was beating South Carolina 32-21 because they're overrated. And then I was beating Louisville 35-21 <laughs> to finish with a 9-3 and regular season record. And I'd say if, if that happens to that exact degree, we'd probably be a top 15 team by the end of that year, meaning we'd probably get a pretty good bowl game. Um, but, yeah, that, that that's kind of how I'm feeling, you know, going into the season with UK. Okay, so, do, like, uh, you guys play Florida at home or away? At home. We, okay. we beat yeah. them in the swamp last year. Okay, I was gonna say I th- I think if it's away, it'd be a different story, but I I still think you guys come out with that because I don't think Florida is that good this year. No. Um, I don't disagree with your schedule. Obviously, other than Tennessee, I think I think it's gonna be tough. I think it's gonna be tough for you guys to hold us under twenty eight. Like you said, I mean, who knows what happens? Right. But I just you know with that offense, and it also depends on what our defense looks like. I mean, and what De- Devin Leary looks like. We'll see. I mean, because what is that, week eight? Yeah. So, I mean, both teams are going to be, you know, they're going to be there. They're going to be ready to play. And it's not like a week two, three game. You know? Right. Who knows what so, the injury situation is going to look like. Like, that's kind of, it's kind of a hard game to predict. Right, right. Um. So, let me, I'll go into mine, and, I, and I'm sure you probably disagree with some of mine. But, uh. And I won't. I'm not going to harp on the games that we know that Tennessee is going to win. But Virginia, I got that. I got Virginia losing to us, 49 to 17, and I gave them 17 points only because of like the little you know bullcrap touchdowns that you know we'll end up giving up anyway. Um, Austin P, 52 10. Um, now we go into the swamp. I get it. I trust me. I get it. We haven't won in forever in the swamp. But I just don't trust Mertz enough to just hey, be able to go in and just beat Tennessee. He doesn't got it, bro. He does not have it. Yeah, and I, I have us beating them thirty-two to or thirty-eight to twenty-seven. Sorry, but um, and that's being generous. That's that's and that's only because it's on the road. Mm. Um, UTSA. I don't know why people think this is a trap game. I get they have an eighteenth-year uh, quarterback coming in. <laughs> Um, but I got us beating them 45 to 24 South Carolina. Sorry to tell you, you're going to come into Neyland and I'm being generous here too, because I know Josh Heupel holds a grudge, but I got 48 to 31 and that's being generous. I would love to see us drop 60 points on them. Um, now this next game, this is the trap game to me. So Texas A&M coming into Neyland. That's going to be a good game. I'll be there 100%. I have us winning that game only because it's home, and I have it 42-35, to 35, and I think that 
42 is going to be towards the end of the game where it's like a one of those games where it's tied, like we score, they score, we score, they score type game, and we just end up getting a winning drive. But that's a toss-up to me. I think we'll win, but it could be a toss-up, and I wouldn't be shocked if we lost that game. Um, then we go to Alabama, Tuscaloosa. Um, part of me wants to say, yeah, look at their quarterback room. It's it's not as good as last year. Obviously, Bryce Young is a once-in-a-lifetime quarterback. Right. Um, but I was losing that game, uh, 41 to 45. I think – I don't know if their defense could hold us to 41, but benefit of the doubt, they're home. I, I, I take that L. Now we go to the Kentucky game. This is where we disagree a little bit. Um, I think we score a, a good amount, and I'm hoping our defense is somewhat good. Even average, way just better than last year. I think we could, you know, and I have us winning forty-two to twenty-eight. That's just me. Um, I don't know if you want to cut in there and talk about it, but I mean, I don't know if our defense gives up forty plus again. Uh, you know, that's that's an anomaly that has not happened very often under uh, Brad White as our DC. Um, but you know, I that is, you know, I don't think that score is like super out of the realm of possibility. Um, I, I mean, I. I don't really have like a a gripe with that, really. I mean, I think it's it's definitely plausible. I got you. I got you. Well, I'll move into the you know next game. UConn going to be Slaughterfest, fifty five thirteen. Um, Missouri. I expect. I get it's on the road, but I expect Josh Heupel to still have that grudge and still put sixty on uh, Dorkwicks or whatever you whatever they call them. Yeah. Um, but I have it sixty three to twenty one that game. Um, 63. Good grief. Hey, we scored 60 on the past two seasons. I don't see, uh, Josh did you Heupel. really? Yeah, past two seasons. Ever that. since Heupel's been here, I don't know what he's got against, uh, their coach, but he does not like him <laughs> and he just plows him every year. Yeah. Um, then we got Georgia. This, if everything goes right with, with my prediction here, this is for the SEC East. And if this is the case, Neyland's going to be popping. Oh, yeah. And it, it'll be probably worse than the Alabama game last year. And honestly, if my prediction happens, I could see the goalposts coming down again. And um, But I got Georgia uh, losing to us, 35 to 31. Georgia fans, don't shoot me. <laughs> that's definitely bold. That is it, definitely it, bold. And that's why I, I, was, I was kind of flip-flopping between that and the Alabama game because I don't – see us beating both i, I see think us beating one i think it's so much more likely that you beat bama than it is georgia it all depends on how carson beck looks and like you said he was a five-star i don't see why he's not what we think he should be right and then obviously we have vandy uh at home 52 <laughs> 52 to 17 i think that's going to be you know, walk on win to end the season. Now, if those sit right, I have our you know our regular season at eleven and one, and that would be SEC championship type game. You know, but you know, like we said before, we don't know what's going to happen. This is just us kind of just shooting the shit and right. You know, kind of what our expectations are. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, you know, there's nothing wrong with confidence in your team. Uh, a lot of people get mad at you for predicting your team to be good. Nobody is ever going to go into a season and be like, 
we're going to suck. Like, what's the point of being a fan if that's the case? You know what I mean? Like, right, I, right. I hate when people try to, like, get on to you. Like, oh, it's hilarious. You think you're going to beat us or so-and-so. It's like, bro, it, it's preseason. We're hyped for our teams. Obviously, things will play out as they will. But getting mad at people for predicting their own team to win a game is just so dumb, in my opinion. Right. Absolutely. Um, now, on that point, I mean, you got anything else you want to talk about? I mean, you have anything that pops in your head that, you know, worries you, makes you excited. I think I think an interesting final topic would maybe be uh, like a player on your team that you isn't really getting talked about too much, but you think is going to be a really good player. Um, I'll let you go first because I definitely have one in mind for Kentucky. Okay. Well, obviously I talked about Dante Thornton already. I'm not going to put that out because if, if I didn't talk about him earlier, this would definitely be the guy. I think Dante Thornton's going to be really good. Um, honestly, if I had to choose, it'd probably be on the defensive side. And, you know, he was a true freshman last year. Uh, he got some playing time. But I think Joshua Josephs, I think he's going to have a killer year this year. Um, I wouldn't say he's going to be this, you know, he's going to be starting and all that stuff. But I think he's going to do something – Better than he did last year, and I think I think Tennessee as a whole, I think they're going to just be better at getting to the quarterback this year. But I think Joshua Joseph's definitely that guy, other than Dante Thornton, that you know no one's really talking about. For Kentucky, we have a middle linebacker named Trevin Wallace who has been sitting behind. I mean, the last few years we've had DeAndre Square, who's been phenomenal for us, and Jaquez Jones the last two years, who was also really good. So Trevin has kind of been chilling a little bit he has gotten rotational minutes and he's the one who returned the uh, blocked field goal against uh florida for a touchdown like he's made some definitely made some big plays um i would go as far as saying he is the most talented player on the defense by a wide margin i think the dude is a first round pick in the future i think he is an all sec all american caliber talent at linebacker um he was a fringe he was like a high four-star borderline five-star recruit picked kentucky over georgia he's from georgia um he is by far like kentucky fans know what he is but in terms of national media and stuff and just people in general probably don't even know his name he is a dog and i fully expect him to like be one of the best players on the field for us at all times this year so trevin wallace number 32 middle linebacker keep an eye on that (laughs) He's, he's he's like that I got you. Now, hey, now before we end this podcast, though, I do want to give a quick shout out to the guy who came up with this idea, uh, came up with the name, and you know, came up with the logo and all that you see on the screen. Uh, Astro Smokey X. Um, he is a you know big Tennessee fan, uh, one of the biggest influencers on the Tennessee side on Twitter. Um, yeah, if you see him scrolling through Twitter, give him a follow. Really good guy. Um, pretty logical too he's not gonna he's not gonna talk uh all that smack unless you bring it to him but uh, he'll talk smack but he's also very open to being proven wrong you know he he's he's i would wager to say uh in my interactions with him has definitely been one of my favorite tennessee fans to interact with because he is he's a really cool dude for sure oh and yeah for sure. I, this was a great idea and he is the the mastermind behind it he kind of made it all happen so shout out to Smokey man well I want to thank everyone for listening. You can check this out on YouTube, Spotify, and all the major streaming platforms uh, for podcasts. Um, 
like I said, I'm one of your hosts, Norma Valfan, and I'm alongside with Kentucky Calvary, and this is the Beer Barrel Podcast.